What I do is inconsequential. Why I do what I do is I get to shorten people's journeys every day. What I love about our hospitality industry is that it's our mission to make people feel cared for while on their journeys. Together, we'll explore what hospitality means in the built environment, in business, and in our daily lives. I'm Dan Ryan, and this is Defining Hospitality. Welcome, everyone. Today's guest is a hospitality heroine. She's a strong leader. She has a keen eye for renovation. She's the director of design for Park Hotels and Resorts. Ladies and gentlemen, Christina Flannery. Hey, Christina, how are you? Welcome. Hey, Dan. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, I'm so glad to have you on. Obviously, like we, our, our vocation and our day job is, um, you know, we're always kind of around the same things and working on the same projects. But I think what I appreciate so much about you is it's not just about what we do, right? It's yeah. like, why are you doing what you're doing and, and what gets you out of bed every day to help this, especially, you know, in such a big story of Park Hotels as the spin out of all the owned assets from Hilton. It's just so awesome how that's happened and kind of what the world's thrown at you in the process of that. And now it's, Hey, so what's the glide path coming out, but I'm so happy and, and just grateful that you shared your time with me. Absolutely. And thanks so much for giving me the opportunity to kind of chat about hospitality and, and my path and, and what a great experience park has been um, coming out. I've, I've been with park now for a little over five years. Um, and wow, what a road it has been just with this, this industry. Um, you know, we've, we've chatted about hospitality in the past, and I think it's one of the most fulfilling uh, careers and, and communities out there, um, especially over the course of the last two years. I just am wowed about how so many people have come together in a time where basically we were all shut down in our industry. You know, people were not traveling. We weren't going to events. We weren't meeting. We weren't having conferences. Uh, we weren't renovating, you know, our yeah. hotels were sitting there um, and we were waiting for our guests um, so, so patiently to arrive. And, and, and there is a light here uh, now at the end of the tunnel. And I think that is the most exciting part is that we get to, to go back to being, you know, that hospitable uh, <laughs> vocation that we've all dedicated our lives to. And well, uh, well Christina, speaking of that, and also on your journey, I think on your career path, I think what's super interesting is we always see, or from my perspective, I always see so many people um, that are in hospitality and and everything that they learn from that, as far as on the built environment, from whether it's design, construction, you name it. Oftentimes, I'll see a lot of them matriculate from hospitality into multifamily or into healthcare or into these other areas. What I love about your path is you went from you're starting in design, then you go, you work at Marriott, you're doing hospitality, then you go into multifamily, but then you come back. And I'm curious, like, what was the main draw to bring you back into hospitality? Yeah. So, you know, my experience, even starting out from my first job out of college, I was exposed to all aspects of design. I was doing healthcare, I was doing education. I had some hospitality, small scale restaurants going on. Um, and, my, and my first big break was the Hilton in Ocean City, Maryland, the Sweets Project. And I know from going through that experience, the day that that was put on my desk, hospitality was just what brought out the energy in me. And so worked on that for about two and a half years and then was able to uh, be picked up by, by Marriott to help with the um, focus service and refreshing uh, courtyard refreshing business program, which was incredible because um, that was, you know, back then one of the largest uh, renovation projects that was going on in our industry at the time. And I just love the vibe. I love the engagement of from, you know, even the ground level of property uh, folks and how they treated the guests to how we engaged with the guests and, and what we saw their habits being and how we designed around that. And, you know, that was so fulfilling to see that people were actually using our design the way that it was supposed to be and, and watching and learning. I was young in my career and, and, and having such great mentors in the industry who are still over there today 
um, you know, it was really a proud moment to, to be involved in that. And, you know, the opportunities, they always kind of come up when you least expect them. Um, I had a friend that uh, said, hey, look, you know, there's a, a multifamily real estate investment trust that's looking to bring hospitality into their world. And you, you should really talk to them. And, and I said, I know nothing about, you know, apartments or multifamily living. Well, but I also want to say it's not just a multifamily real estate investment trust. It's like, it's a really big deal in that space. Like it, it's right. It's like yeah, one of the, the time, biggest I'm and like, best. Yeah. You know, Avalon Bay, that's awesome. Um, and what was really cool was, you know, my boss at the time wanted to invest in interior design. He wanted to bring in the firms that were working on the hotel projects. You know, he had passion for that. And, and that was really inspiring too, because we were able to bring those amenities to, you know, everyday living and especially, you know, in cities and you're on the go and you're engaging, you want those fun amenities like fitness centers and dog parks and, you know, um, open kitchens, you know, that whole open kitchen concept, which is now super trending in residential, you know, started in that multifamily world. And that was about the gathering table in hotels. You know, you gather around the, the large communal table and then it translated home to having people over. And then hospitality is not only, you know, in hotels, but now it's in your home and it's in your everyday life. And so for me, it all kind of came together. Um, and it always really related, and I never really thought about it as going out of hospitality and coming back because I was uh, able to bring those, those um, experiences and those energy levels of what hospitality really means, which is engaging and social and, and just community and bringing that into apartment living um, was really, really inspiring and, and gave me a lot of uh, passion for building that kind of network and, and using the, the affiliated industry uh, professionals, you know, the architects and the designers who are now doing cross, you know, branding with multifamily and hotel living um, was able to give them opportunities and vendors that had never worked in that space, bringing them on and, and really teaching um, you know, the real estate industry that you do want to rely on good product and good materials. You don't want to just be swapping furniture out yearly that you bought, you know, at a retail place because it's not a long-term investment. And, and a lot of these are, and that's how you make your money. So you don't want to be, mm. you know, spending CapEx on things you don't really need to spend if it's just a one-year life cycle. Um, so, you know, the opportunity again arose when I, when I saw that, you know, Hilton was spinning into a real estate company. I, I had background at this point, um, about six years in it. And I said, you know what, I've always been intrigued by the Hilton process and, and how different they were in, in good ways. And, um, in, you know, just being their own kind of entity in this space. And so luckily, luckily I was, I was picked up by park and the rest is history. That's it, a great journey. And I love in, in that journey, it was, I love how you said you actually never really left. It was almost as if you brought everything you learned over into multifamily and then just yeah. kept evolving. So yeah. And uh, I love keeping a finger on that pulse as well, because there's so much cool design that gets to go into um, multifamily that, you know, a lot of times you don't really get to do in hotels based on budgets or timing or, uh, you know, how the spaces are utilized. I think there's a lot more level of engagement that happens in, in multifamily rec space and, and, and amenity space. Um, but, you know, I think there's always that correlation between the two where we're learning and bringing um, examples into, you know, that cross industry um, and really keeping it at a at a good inspirational playing field. Yeah. And as you, you just said on the, the rec and amenity space in multifamily, <clears throat> one of the things that I've seen is many of the bigger multifamilies or, and the most successful multifamily groups, they invest so heavily on the, the, rec, the rec space, the amenity mm -hmm. space, because as you know, in hotels, you're changing, in effect, you're changing a lease every night, right? Right. Right. Whereas when someone comes to a multifamily, you know, they're doing a nine, 12, 16, 18, 24 month lease. So it's much longer. And I think as they walk through and they're making their decision between all the different places that they're going, I think there's a lot of visualization that happens with that prospective tenant to say, oh, I can see my friends coming over here and having a barbecue and lounging by the pool or playing 
shuffle puck or, or foosball or pool or whatever's in that, in that rec space. And I, and I think that that's a really interesting crossover point that where I've seen hospitality influence that tremendously. And it's turned into something even more because the, I've, I've read studies where those rec spaces and amenity spaces can really have a tremendous ROI because it can help them increase their rent, et cetera, et cetera. And I've seen that almost as a, like as an incubator and now it's coming back even stronger onto the hospitality side, especially in the uh, select and focus service um, mm-hmm. properties. Like I know like what Aloft has done at Marriott and, you know, just really activating all of that amazing space, like, and making it a super cool gathering space for everyone. Right. It's, you want to go and see and be seen and sit in the lobby when you're on the road, you know, maybe have a bite to eat, maybe meet someone in the lobby, you know, do your interviewing there, you know, that becomes your extended space outside of your room to really kind of own as your own and, and use it as your own. And, you know, it can be play, it can be work, it can be uh, family. And, and that's, the cool part about these hotel lobbies, especially the interactive meeting spaces that are starting to come on board, um, you know, being remote for two years, we've all learned what works and what doesn't work about meetings, mm-hmm. right? Do we need to be meeting in formal, you know, uh, office spaces, or can we meet at the local hotel lobby and you know grab a drink afterwards? You know, how do how do we engage? in this world now that we've seen technology really, you know, stepping up and being a great platform to support us. Um, and just, you know, the vibe of, of refresh and, and get out. And it's like springtime is around the corner and it's always a nice rebirth, right? And, and you're kind of shedding that cold winter and, and into something new and fresh. And I feel the light at the end of the tunnel here with, with where we're headed, um, is exciting for hospitality because I think everybody's going to want to be traveling and they're going to want to see what's out there and plan their next vacation or their next business trip. And it's going to, it's going to really focus around the amenities and, and what the property has to offer. So, and I love that roller coaster that you're, you've painted a picture of from winter to spring. Okay. So let's, because uh, I think from, you joined Park Hotels at a super exciting time, right? It had spun out. You're on this huge growth plan. You're, you're executing. You're doing all this stuff. And then we get hit with COVID, right? So all of the best laid plans, like obviously everyone went to shifted to survival mode. And I'm not saying at Park, but like across all Definitely. hotels, um, they're just getting beat up. It's, it's like um, housekeeping service is really diminished. Um, People are staying longer. Um, there's just things are looking tired, and then and people are not reinvesting typically in on the capital expenditure side that they did. And in one of our uh, conversations earlier, um, and I don't want to like fill in the blanks for how you respond, but it was um, it's kind of we're at an, at this interesting place where okay, so you might not be in the nicest place across the whole spectrum of all hotels because things are beat up and people were in survival mode. But how have you seen, especially at your properties where, okay, you're just managing, you're, you're kind of doing the best that you can as the world comes back and we go into that spring. How have you seen your teams compensate for that on site as far as like, how are they making others feel like how, how, how have you seen hospitality shine through all of this from, from your assets? Absolutely. It's the teams, it's the onsite teams and their dedication to hospitality and making the experience the most incredible experience for that individual, regardless of what the condition of the hotel is. If you've got a great front staff and you've got a great housekeeping staff, the guests understand. They understand that everyone is kind of going through this transition Um, They're not expecting all these hotels to be completely renovated. They're expecting that when they walk through the door, that they're welcome, that they're greeted, that they feel a place in the hotel that they can say, wow, I'm home for the next couple of days. And I know I'm with a great team and I know they're going to take care of me. And, you know, it looks clean. I don't care that it's, you know, not the latest and greatest design, but as long as that team is smiling and keeping positive and keeping me positive, then, you know, I'm going to have a great time here. And I think that's 
the nice thing and the silver lining of this pandemic has been the humility that's come out of it. And everyone has been in this together. And so there is a little bit more of a gracious response if, you know, the hotel hasn't been completely renovated or, you know, they, they messed up your order at the F and B spot, or, you know, we're all realizing that we're coming back at different paces out of this. And I think the most important thing is just keeping the smile and, and the energy and the social that comes with being hosp hospitality based and allowing that to kind of shine through. And I think our onsite teams have done that. They've really welcomed the guests back uh, from the very beginning. And, and, you know, through this pandemic, I've, I've traveled and I've seen it. And those employees that go above and beyond um, with extra water or extra towels or, you know, helping to grab a bag, you know, if you're comfortable or, or providing, you know, hand sanitizer or extra masks if somebody's asking. I mean, they're there to really support and, and turn this around and, and I'm seeing it and, and it's, it's so positive and, and just energizing. And it is amazing because a, a few moments ago, you were mentioning like <clears throat> these tech platforms and how all of this is happening and the, all the experimentation that we're all seeing there to kind of improve and enhance guest experience, but also improve the operations of a hotel. And then on the other side, it's just those simple little engagements or, or um, collisions, but, but collisions are strong. Well, no, it's a collision between um, a team member who's working there and really making someone feel comfortable. There's very few interactions. It's not like you're interacting all the time, but to make those more meaningful, um, it, it can more than compensate for whatever else is going around. And I, and I love how you said it's, um, it's really their home for the next night or two, right? And I think oftentimes we lose sight of that. Well, exactly. And I think, you know, Digital Key has, has a great place and a great time. You know, if I'm getting in late somewhere and I don't really need to check in at the front desk and I've got Digital Key, I can go straight to my room. But I will say there have been times where I kind of missed that greeting or I missed that cookie or I missed that, you know, would you like an extra bottle of water for your for your stay or your room? Um, or if you're hungry, we've got the market right here. You know, that engagement, you know, even if it's just a few sentences or a few words, that really kind of makes your day, right? And, or, you know, have a great day or, you know, welcome to our property. It's those little gestures of humanity that I think now we're starting to really appreciate. And um, I think the hospitality industry has just been stellar in keeping that, that camaraderie and, and kind of being the whole, the, the glue that's held everybody together. You know, the open hotels, they were servicing many more guests. You know, if there were others that were closed down, they were dealing with, you know, different levels of occupancy and, and how do you deal with that with maybe shortened staff? Um, there's been a lot of logistics around it that they've just done incredible work. So it's just been a very, a very proud moment to be a part of a team like that. Um, I, the digital key thing recently has been super cool for me. I always found it yeah. frustrating in the past because it was like, oh, it just didn't work or whatever. But I feel like at all the different brands I've stayed at, it's finally working. Great. Yeah. And, the technology you know, and so, has come together. It's a perfect yeah. time. But I also, I'm also seeing, um, and I'm glad you brought that up because I'm also seeing so much experimentation mm -hmm. with technology and some works, some doesn't, but like aside from digital key, what are some other really exciting things you're seeing out there on, on the tech side of things? Yeah, absolutely. I think pre-pandemic, um, one of the big selling points in, in kind of the tech world um, was, you know, unifying the nest using that, uh, like the comforts of home where you can unlock your room, you can set your temperature, you can, um, you know, turn your lights on and off, you know, that kind of level of technology where it's, you know, you know, one touch here, one touch there. I think that was something that was really starting to take some legs um, pre-pandemic. And, and I'm hopeful that, you know, technology and, and some of the studies that have been done, you know, in the downtime will help to, to elevate that. Um, you know, we also were touring some properties where in the bathroom, there was TV coming through the lit mirrors, which is kind of neat, you know, in the mornings when you're trying to figure out you're in a new city and you don't know what the weather is going to be for the day, it might be cool in the morning and, you know, sweltering in the afternoon. Do I carry a sweater? Do I not? Um, you know, those little things are maybe I just want to listen to music while I'm in the shower. Um, so making sure that, you know, 
those manufacturers have had time to vet that product and see, you know, what has been the plus and the minus. And, and also from an ownership side, how, how much is that going to cost us to rewire? Um, you know, it's, definitely something that we're working with the brands on to understand cost um, as we're all sensitive to it right now. Um, we want to make sure we're, we're getting the best bang for our buck and we want to put forward, you know, the best product, uh, but we want to be sensitive to how much that's all going to cost because the whole industry is, it has risen, right. Yeah. In terms of cost. And um, so we need to be sensitive to that when we're planning. And I think that's, important also to understand because, you know, when, when you're talking multifamily versus hospitality and especially on all the FF and the stuff that the fit furniture's fixtures and equipment, for those who don't know, it's the stuff that the guests are touching and feeling at on the multifamily side, most people like all the finishes are there, right. But right. then they bring in their own stuff Absolutely. in the hotel side. You're spending so much more because you're making that there and you're kind of encapsulating this experience for them. Um, but it's such a bigger dollar uh, dollar amount that you you're spending on the hospitality side rather than the multi multifamily side and it's uh, it's all about you know as from an ownership perspective finding that balance of like okay how do we not overspend how do we get there and and how do we do that so like how, what are your kind of like key measurements to make sure that you're in alignment for for what you're doing so that you're successful on the balance sheet and the P&L but also delivering for the guest Absolutely. And that's where, you know, property walks, um, especially if you can get a brand person on site with you when you're walking. Um, I think bathrooms are a huge, uh, you know, wild card, right? Depending on the city, if you've got union labor or if you've got, you know, standard construction, um, it seems like that world right now is is super busy and just, um, you know, getting equipment in and, and tile and um, construction materials. Um, that Construction has always kind of been a driver, um, depending on your, your region and your location. Um, but also bathroom is a huge touch point for people. You know, people don't want to be in a really old, oh. uh, unrenovated, you know, kind of gross bathroom when that's where they're starting their day. They're freshening up. They're going out into the world and they want to feel like they're in a space that's going to give them everything that, you know, that build them up in the morning and, and make them feel good. Um, so I think bathrooms are a huge thing, right? Um, if you've got tile that is timeless and in great shape, it may just be a cleanup. Um, you might be able to work with the existing tile through creative, you know, wall coverings or lit mirrors um, or lighting. Um, I think those are areas, bathrooms are, are a challenge because, you know, shower surrounds or tub, tub conversions um, to showers, those are expensive and they're, and they're big driver. Um, and if so something goes wrong there, it's even more right, exactly when yeah. you start to kind of take stuff out and you realize hey you know we can't relocate the toilet or we have to kind of keep it in the footprint because it's stacked yeah it's an absolute yeah. um, experiment to kind of get in there and see what you have maybe hopefully you don't have any kind of mold or any abatement that needs to happen um but it but it is a it's a large cost um and that's a, a good piece of the room but then, you know, you have your, your main space, your living space and how you function, right? So there's touch, there's touch materials, there's hard materials um, and how those all come together. That's another, you know, big touch point for people. And how are people traveling? Do people unpack their luggage in drawers or can we maybe eliminate drawers and do more of an open closet? Um, I think the brands have been really great about brainstorming on that end as well to help um, make sure we're neutralizing costs or even saving in some way to get priority um, in other areas like technology or mm. outlets. You know, how many times have you gone into a room and not had a place to plug in your phone and you're going behind it. the bed, right? <laughs> yeah. So uh, it's super important. You know, thinking about <clears throat> every every project that comes over your transom that you're working on, you know, it's really each project is like, is an experiment, right? Okay. We're kind of doing a similar thing, but each one has its own unique set of constraints, challenges. Um, I'm curious. And I think like, as far as like everyone learning and shortening people's journeys, which I love from this, I find that oftentimes we learn the most from the projects that don't go the best, right? It's like, it's almost like graduate school and we've all yeah. had them. Um, Share, like, share some of your best learning experiences from Projects Gone Wild. Yeah, you know, I think um, one of the 
um, lessons learned, I think would be a good way to put it, um, about capital spend versus actually thinking about properties holistically, right? So I know, especially coming out of this pandemic, this might not be um, right off the bat, the, the best way or, or even, you know, funds may only allow for a certain amount of, of renovation work to happen, right? So is it better to, you know, renovate only partially and get more renovation done? Or is it better to actually take the time and, and do it thoughtfully and incorporate everything into a room and maybe only have four projects instead of 30 projects, but those 30 only had half of the room renovated. And so, you know, what I've seen in the past was um, as ownership groups, not just park, but I think everywhere, you get your capital and it's kind of divvied up and, uh, and you go in and you touch the, the worst things about the room, right? And um, so when dollars are tight, you know, you might be able to get carpet and you might be able to get a chair in the room, uh, maybe a headboard, but the rest of the case could stay and maybe the lighting stays. And, you know, for some of the, the B-list properties or the properties that, um, you know, may not mind a, a, a soft refresh like that, that might be fine. Um, but for some of the more, um, iconic or, or real drivers of a portfolio, we want to really take a hard dive about what's going to be the best investment as the owner and really study it holistically, uh, making sure that we're not cutting corners to have to go back and do it again in two or three years. And I think that's been one of the biggest lessons learned is if you do it right the first time, you won't have to keep going back and replacing it. It's kind of like how I mentioned on the multifamily side, you know, you can buy retail furniture for your amenity spaces, but you're gonna be replacing it a lot faster than if you were to actually go through a manufacturer that has quality commercial grade fabric. It's gonna give you a lot longer lifespan on that furniture. Um, and that's the same thought process as renovation. You know, we want to go into these rooms once and we don't want to have to go back in for another eight years. Um, and, you know, I think in the past, the kind of piecemeal renovation works. It, yeah. I think there'll always be a place for it. Um, but I think, you know, if, if you have the resources and the funding, it's always better to kind of do it holistically. Yeah, and I think it's also like, what's your intention as the owner? Is it to have these really great performing assets and a long-term hold in a portfolio? Or are you looking to really reposition and, and shift out and make money off the appreciation of the real estate transaction? Sure. Um, how, how many uh, properties are currently in Parks portfolio right now? Oh, that is a good question. We've had a lot of uh, sales going on recently. Um, we're a little over 55, I believe. I think as, as everyone is kind of coming back to business, um, you know, we're, we're always kind of looking at our portfolio. And um, like I said, there's been a lot of sales recently, which has been great for us. What's, so. what's crazy. Okay. So when I hear, I don't, whatever the number is 55, yeah. what, whatever, let's just, whatever the number is. Okay. So I, I can get my head around 55 different hotels. Right. But what's so crazy as I've learned more, I've been living in this world and also just learning about hotels in a different way since doing this, uh, podcast and having all these conversations. It's not just 55 hotels. It's 55 different businesses. Right. Within each of one of those businesses, there's, I don't even know how many sub businesses from an FMB perspective to an events perspective to just an HR perspective, to, but there's so many different channels of, of revenue that are coming in. And then to just make it all kind of come together and roll up into your overall portfolio. It's just it's just mind blowing and, and amazing and kind of humbling to see how many great people are needed to keep everything on track, performing the right way. Absolutely. It takes a village. It's a, it's a true team effort. And, um, you know, our, my calls during the week, you know, now I'm, I'm inundated with calls in a good way because we're getting all the right people on the calendar, having those conversations, you know, F and B level operations, people all the way up through, you know, senior vice presidents talking about what is going to be best for the properties. And that's really when, you know, you, you, your projects are coming together um, in a great, in a great way is when you have that collaboration. And then, so going on that kind of complexity of, of the, of the properties that you have, like, if you could say, you know, which one would be like, 
which one or couple would be the most complicated from just all that different programming that go in? Because you have some, I mean, yeah, pretty amazing assets. Like absolutely. What, what? Well, our current two uh, that are in the limelight are the Signia by Hilton and Bonnet Creek and Waldorf Astoria Bonnet Creek, which are both, mm-hmm. um, you know, in the process of expansion, uh, meeting space, as well as uh, refreshing the interiors there. So as you mentioned, you know, I've call, I've specific calls about different areas of the hotel all week long whether it's expansion, whether it's F&B, whether it's, um, you know, uh, one, one property or the other, they're kind of run as a, as a unique uh, complex. And so there is a lot that goes into um, the collaboration there um, on site, our, our third party vendors, our project, project teams, construction um, designers, vendors even, you know, coming in and, and helping us select the best banquet chair for them. You know, we, mm-hmm. we went through probably five different uh, sample chairs and make, made sure that the, the on-site team who knows their customer and knows what they're looking for is happy because they're ultimately our customer in a way too. You know, our, yeah. our on-site team, they know their business. We trust that they know their business. And, and so we want to give them the best equipment that they can do their business. Yeah. And I think, uh, and then especially, you know, you think about from Hilton's perspective with Signia and Waldorf being like these super important brands for the growth of Hilton as well and, and their product offering. Um, it's a, it must be an incredible collaboration. You know, on the other side, like on the other side of the world, pretty much, the other one I think of is um, the Hilton Hawaiian Village. Right? Absolutely. <laughs> that thing is like a city. And I don't even know how many buildings and properties are there and pools and yeah. F&B outlets, but it's just amazing how that whole city runs. Absolutely. Yeah, it's really exciting. And um, the Hilton Hawaiian Village is is definitely uh, one of our most iconic um properties actually I've only been there once and the one time I was there I actually saw the film crew for Hawaii Five O. so you know we see the iconic rainbow tower uh when you watch the show but uh it's it's been amazing and we've got a really awesome project director that oversees that por- uh that portfolio complex um and and so we're we're hoping to be able to to do some work there here in the near future cool yeah it's funny um I growing up on the east coast like we just didn't go to Hawaii. But then when I went to college in, in California, so many of the people from the West Coast, that that's where they would go vacation in Hawaii. And then I think about like how, how many memories, so many of my friends from California, from college were just imprinted in that Hilton Hawaiian village yeah. compound where like their families would go, they would basically go for eight or 10 days and just okay. be not leave the site and just have like, so many different varied and powerful memories. Yeah, it's incredible. It really is. And you can't really, unless you've ever been to Hawaii, you can't really describe it either. You know, you have when my first time, you know, I had a vision of what I thought it was going to be and I got there and I'm like, oh my gosh, you're right. It is a true village where you have beach, but you also have a city vibe, but you also have the cultural aspect. It's incredible. And it's, it's really uh, worth checking out if you, if you have the ability to. Yeah. It's, it's, it's just, it's just mind blowing how it all works together in like a perfect symphony symphony. Yeah. Again, Uh, an awesome onsite team there. (laughs) Yeah. And I, I, I mean, how many people work there? Oh gosh, I don't Thousands? get on. I don't get into the Hundreds? operation side of things. I'm I'm only on the design. So mm. it's it's literally a, a village of staff as well. I mean, there's, yeah. um, you know, so many in, interactions that happen. Um, and so it's it it really is a community. Awesome. Um, so I know that we uh, earlier you were speaking about um, kind of this winter to spring, um, kind of painting this roller coaster of, of kind of where we are um as we on the coming out of winter part and i ask you and, yeah. and from the properties and all the calls that are increasing mm-hmm. and now like what's keeping yeah. you up at night right now uh my 18 month old i got a tooth coming in there um but no seriously i think honestly it's just about making sure that we have dotted all of our I's and crossed our T's and we are bringing the best foot forward for park 
um, that's that's going to show us a return. Uh, and, and but not only that, but give people the experience and the wow factor that you know renovation does. And and the cool thing about renovation, you know, new construction you can design you know anything you want. But when you're in renovation, you're working with spaces and constraints that you have to work with. And, and if you uh, run into roadblocks, you have to problem solve and you have to be able to, you know, transition quickly if something doesn't work the way that, you know, you've planned it. And I think that one of the most fulfilling things about renovation is really you can't you can only visualize it so much right we've got wonderful renderers that will put a great rendering together but until you are in that space and you feel the energy of the new versus where the old was uh it's really impactful and, it, and it's a it's a feeling that it's it's hard to describe because it's it's just it just overcomes you um in a good in a good way that your job has been done and and you're here to you know serve others and make sure that they're having a great uh, time on their vacation or their travels or their, uh, you know, work engagements. And, and it's just really fulfilling. So nothing at the moment is really keeping me up. I mean, I, we all are in this, this uh, logistics world right now together, I think, um, you know, lead times, whenever anybody tells you that it's you know, six to eight weeks, I would add a couple weeks to that. And I think we're industry professionals. And I think we've added some of that buffer zone in there. So there's, there isn't that expectation that, it, you know, everybody has to be, uh, you know, six weeks on a product, because we all know what we're going through. So I think it's so the, it's so funny, yeah. you bring up the logistics stuff, because, I, you know, I was just at this conference. And yeah, you know, you go to these round tables and everyone asks you all these questions. So like, you know, doing furniture with Berman Falk, they're saying, right. are you guys, um, so like, what's the, are, is shipping and receiving really an issue? And I was like, no, absolutely not. We're, um, we're actually delivering everything early. Um, and we're, I, I'm reading about all this in the newspaper. I don't know what you're talking about. They're like, what? And they get down their paper, <laughs> they start writing. Like, they were like, uh, wait, how do you, how are you doing that? I was like, well, actually, um, we own our own port and a whole fleet of ships. And they're like, what, where's your port? I said, it's in Santa Monica, California. And they're like, what? I didn't even, how do we not know about this? And I said, I'm totally kidding. It's a complete shit show. And right. we're all, we're, all we're doing right now is just trying to do our best to be transparent and, and clear communicators in real time about what's going on. Um, but again, it's a constraint and right. we're all feeling it. But I also just go, that was just my little funny aside, but going no, back yeah. where you said, um, the constraint side. Okay. I think that one of the most powerful things about design, design is really about solving problems, right? right? And then if you think about, I think that the best, the most innovation for anything in life, in projects, whatever, comes from when you're put in a constraint, right? Mm -hmm. Sure. And I love how you said, when you are presented with these constraints, and then you solve the problem, you feel right. fulfilled. Yeah, right. right. So get, can you give us an example of a, of one of the most extreme constraints you've been presented with, but that resulted in the most fulfillment, most fulfillment, like kind of walk us through what that process was like. Yeah. I mean, even just getting on the granular level, when you're, when you have different customers and clients within your organization or your onsite team, or you know whoever your kind of end user is at the end of the day the property teams can be at their best when they feel like they've made a, a contribution to to the design in some way shape or form right mm -hmm. they want to own it they want to sell it they want to be proud when people walk in and and see the new renovation um, and it's really that impact, right? And so I think about two things when you ask that question. The first is, is more of what I was kind of touching on before, which is unfortunately that kind of piecemeal renovation, right? You never really get that impact of, wow, you've renovated. It looks phenomenal. Because if you only replace the carpet or you only replace a couple chairs in a vast lobby where there are other pieces that are co coordinating with that, you're never really going to get that full impact of design because you've only really touched a small space in that larger 
kind of grand lobby. Um, and so, you know, some of the more recent renovations that we've done where we've actually done the entire lobby and we've planned accordingly um, with our financials and, and created a plan for that, it's been so much more successful because the impact is really truly when you walk in the space and your eye goes left and you see a marketplace, but that's been renovated and you see forward and you have a grand lobby with furniture and new carpet and new tile and light fixtures that are new you recognize it and then you look over to the front desk and that's new, you start to pick up on all those moments and it feels right. Um, and so, you know, I think some of those challenges have been where we've only, you know, had enough capital to do one, one uh, piece of the puzzle, right? And so I think we all agreed and our lesson learned in the first couple of years of park was we're not getting the bang for our buck, right? You're spending this money and it's, and it's not really, uh, improving the dynamic of, of the guest or, you know, they're not recognizing it fulfilling, fulfilling that, that wow factor. So I think we've all learned that it's better to maybe either wait, you know, it, it, it's painful to say, oh, we have to wait one more year for this lobby. But if in the end, it's going to make it so that the entire space gets renovated, it's worth it. Um, and so I think one of those challenges is just giving giving a patience kind of talk because right our asset teams and our ops teams we need to get this renovated you know we're losing business our our biggest piece of business is walking away because our lobby isn't renovated but then you think about it and say well you maybe have lost one small piece of business and maybe it was big too at the time but think about all the business you're going to get when you're newly renovated complete lobby with rooms upstairs that have been renovated. So I think it's that balance of conversation. And to your point, the honesty, you know, you got to be honest with everyone. What is going to be the best for best, you know, wow factor and the best thing for our money in the long run, not just kind of the short term to keep maybe one or two pieces of business. And it also goes back. Okay. So once, so it's a, like a lesson learned, continual learning, right? Yeah. And then to take that patient view, because, okay, if, we, if we're just patient, it, the outcome, if we, instead of piecemealing, it's going to be so much better. But if you're all aware of this, right, right. and then you can have these conversations, then you, you can create alignment between ops, asset management, uh, design yeah. and construction, and then be honest, right? Exactly. So the ops team, which is how it all started when we, when we first started talking, it's right. uh, the team on the ground and be, having that ability to make others feel welcome and just say, Hey, I know that this might be this or this, but just know that we got you and we're taking yes. care of you. And, and by having that kind of coordinated look right. at things, transparency. yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's that transparency and, and, mm -hmm. and um, it's that transparent, clear communication that, you know, if you're doing it well, you can overcompensate for things because it's like, Hey, we're not hiding behind this we're but and we're doing we're all doing the best that we can right yeah absolutely absolutely so but then comes, i've also seen hmm. i've also seen the flip side where you know a small renovation was everything yeah. and you know we had we have a little space down in our casa marina key west property and uh our hotel manager came to me and said hey i really want to infuse some some color and some texture into the space i know we don't have a lot of money to do it but i really feel like we're going to have some live music coming in and we're going to offer some craft cocktails and i think if we could just get some furniture that would be a little bit more inviting in there pre-renovation um, that would really bring customers, you know, from, from all angles into the space. And she was absolutely right. You know, we have uh, live music in there now. And, and the other day she said, Hey, I need a couple of replacement tables for in there until, you know, we're, we're ready to, uh, fully renovate that hotel, but it was a wonderful opportunity for an ROI return on, on your investment automatically by just spending a little bit of capital to get that furniture in there for her. So that was a rock star moment on, on the op side there. And then from, so from the ROI perspective, by taking that more surgical approach, right? So yeah. that's a huge property, right? So you're like, Absolutely. Hey, let's, let's do this. How, how did it, how did that change that you guys did surgically affect the yeah. performance of that particular pace of uh, oh, space? No, absolutely. She's busy 
every evening with the with the introduction of the craft cocktail um, and you know live music. It's a it's a small little lounge space, and and now they're generating great revenue off of it. Um, you know, and we were able to to get some quick furniture right before the pandemic hit. Thank goodness. <laughs> Um, to, to transform that space. And, and if you go in there today, it's as if it has, has always been that way. You can't even remember the big wooden furniture that was in there that was, you know, basically after 5 p.m., nobody went into the space. So it's those little opportunities as well. And you say surgically, the ROI world for us is, is hugely important. You know, that's really where we can study um, little strategic moments um, in certain hotels to be able to to generate that that return. So that's that's going to be a big push for this year as well for us. Yeah, it's and that kind of goes back to the overall complexity of each hotel everywhere. But it, even within your property, it's like, how do you find those places where you can really turn up the dial? And so oftentimes that I hear on the F&B side of things, uh-huh. m- you hear about this, the, the project you did at Casa Marina and it, it turned up the volume, it performed really well, revenues increased. And you also hear about like those new hotels or other, usually it's on the newer side when they open and they are actually surprised by the F&B. It's not like a planned thing. And it's like, holy crap, holy crap, this bar is outperforming our room's revenue right. or, or on from a profitability standpoint. And oftentimes they're surprised by that. So it's kind of cool to hear success stories of where you're actually planning it. And then you, and then you see it as well. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's all, you know, relative. And, and at the end of the day, as long as the customer is happy and, and you're utilizing space um, in a, in a positive way, it's, it's a win for everybody. Cool. And then, so I guess on this um, surgical search for ROI, yeah. um, What's exciting, like as you're doing that and kind of looking at all the programming of each of your assets, like what's exciting you most about the future? Yeah, I think it's, um, you know, engaging spaces, right? So are there outdoor opportunities to enhance? Are there, you know, F&B spaces that, you know, maybe aren't working out as a coffee shop, but maybe they would be a better, you know, evening cocktail space or, um, you know, maybe we're only doing uh, breakfast out of a space and not using that space for the rest of the day. Can we turn that into a uh, meeting space that can be rentable? You know, there's, there's all kinds of um, interesting little spaces that you kind of come to find. I mean, a, a lot of uh, the double tree portfolio, um, I think a lot of those were red lions at one time and, and some of them had nightclubs and uh, interesting, you know, party space rooms that, a lot of times just become storage. So, you know, how can we repurpose that space? Is it something that becomes a better fitness opportunity or, um, you know, a, a co-working or, or a meeting space, um, a meet, you know, innovation centers, you know, it's, there's a lot of uh, opportunity to unlock with those spaces that may just be storage right now. So just really fine tuning and getting in and, and understanding what we have and then um, doing the brainstorming. Yeah, it's kind of cool in the sense that, you know, I've heard you say craft cocktails a couple of times. I recently had a conversation on this defining hospitality with Dave Kaplan, who started Death and Company. And he's now starting a hotel management company that goes to other property that goes to properties and says, hey, lead with F&B or lead with the the B of the F&B and see how you can really reinvigorate that. And then you also said looking at old nightclubs and turning them into fitness spaces. There's also been this really interesting theme that I want to dig deeper in through this podcast of wellness and the, sure. and how, how all of these hotels are incorporating wellness from, you know, Equinox is doing it really well to Miraval um, to pretty much everyone. And I think that idea of wellness and intention, mm-hmm. it's, it's changing the way hotels are operating as well. I think so. I, I believe that, uh, some uh, again, another silver lining of the pandemic was just um, slowing down a little bit and actually taking care of yourself and your mental health and your uh, physical health and your eating habits and well-being. I think everyone at some point uh, realized, hey, for two years we can't just sit around and, and watch Tiger King and eat pizza. So, <laughs> you know, I think I think that has really, you know, it's a new way of life, right? It's a new, more holistic. We talk about when we renovate, we think about 
all the different spaces that come into play when you're engaging in a, in a renovation. And it's kind of, you know, starts in your own mind, body and soul, right? You've got to You've got to kind of take time for yourself. And I think we were we were all probably running so fast, you know, paced pre-pandemic. And then to have the time to actually maybe get a run-in in the morning before you sit down for, you know, calls or, you know, being able to make a fresh salad right out of your kitchen at lunchtime. You know, it's it's been really nice. And I think that's going to carry through um, and help everybody, you know, the, the vitamin C and, and, and revving up our vitamins to keep our immune systems healthy as well. You know, it all comes to play and, and hopefully this will be something that's, that's a lasting uh, kind of way of life rather than just a trend. Well, I'm very eager to see your growth and Park's growth as we go into spring and summer physically this year, but also just uh, for our industry. I think we're really about to enter a, a really special time where of travel and impact and um, I don't know, just inspiration. And I'm just, I'm, yeah. I'm so happy and glad that you, um, and grateful that you shared your time with us here, Christina. Thanks so much, Dan. It, it's been a pleasure and I've had a great time this morning and uh, look forward to connecting with you again soon. Awesome. And then, so for people out there as well, like how can people find you? Where can they find you? And then we can also yeah, put it all in, in the, in the show notes as well. I'm on LinkedIn. So come find me, Christina Flannery. Um, and, you know, give me a thumbs up or give me a, a message and, and I'll return your, your message. So thanks so much. Awesome. Um, so again, I just want to say thank you again for your time, Christina. This has been really incredible and thank you. Um, and also I want to thank our listeners because Without them, this thing doesn't happen. And I really think that thinking about hospitality from um, the built environment and thinking about ROI, but not just purely from the sense of ROI, but also how can you leave the most impact? How can you uh, create the best memory possible for those guests that are there and how the team supports all of that, I think is incredible. Um, so if this has changed your perspective on how any of that happens, please share the podcast with a friend. Uh, we're growing and it's just really exciting to tell all of these stories about how we can help be more hospitable to everyone. So thank you, everyone.